This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Sherry Shepard is like Wendy Osefo. GVO, good vibes only. She's just a ray of sunshine. Like, she came in, and when Wendy couldn't do it, and she and a bunch of other people stepped up and, like, saved our jobs and saved our show for a whole year. Stay tuned. We'll get into my conversation with Norman Baker right after these quick ads. Welcome to Reality with the King. It's me, Carlos King, the king of reality TV and one of the most sought-after executive producers in reality television with over 10 years of production experience. Twice a week on Reality with the King, we'll sit down with my friends across the entertainment industry, recap our favorite reality shows, and revisit unforgettable moments that we are still talking and tweeting about. Hey, Raindrops. Some of you all may know this about me, but as a late night host, I am a huge fan of talk shows. I grew up as a little gay boy in Detroit, Michigan, watching Oprah Winfrey, the greatest talk show of all time, Montel Williams, Sally Jesse Raphael, Ricky Lake, Geraldo, Jenny Jones. This genre of television means the world to me. So for me to have a late night show is like super special, especially being the first openly gay black male to host a late night show. It's just super special to me. And I thank the Oprah Winfrey Network for the opportunity. With that being said, the beauty of my career is because I'm this behind the scenes producer who now have this dual career being in front of the camera. And as I watch the Wendy Williams show, I saw somebody who I felt represented a large community that I wish was around when I was watching daytime. And it's this funny, hilarious, gorgeous, gay Black man who I think needs his own show. I'm talking about none other than Wendy Williams' co-host, Norman Baker! There are so many people, Norman, who love you, who follow your career, who really want to get into daytime. You being an openly gay Black man means the world to this community. I want to give you your flowers now. Aw, thank you. I really do believe that you are inspiring the young Black gay men or boys who are watching Wendy Williams or just watching you, and they're like, wow, I want to do that. The same way I know I've affected more Black people, especially Black gay men getting into reality television, I feel like you have that same 
inspiration in terms of daytime talk? Well, that's like really surprising because you really just go about your business just being in the grind every day. You wake up at 5 a.m. You just all you want to do is get it done. So you don't really think about any impact. I actually because we throw so much shade every day, I like pretend that no one's watching. So it's always a shock to me when I hear that like anybody heard something I said or like memorize some kind of joke I did or something. So it's, I try to pretend like nobody's watching it. So it's surprising to hear that, like, you know, I, I try not to think about that. I'm having some kind of impact on, you know, kids coming after me, but I could totally see that because that's kind of how I felt about, I don't know, like uh, RuPaul and Madonna's dancers. And, you know, you see yourself reflected and you're like, Oh, I could grow up to be that one day and I don't have to, you know, stay in the shadows. Yeah. And with your personality, you don't belong in the shadows, honey. You belong in front of the camera, (laughs) which is why I'm happy you're doing it. So tell us, how did it happen in terms of your trajectory and getting to produce one of the most iconic daytime television talk shows in the world? I was born in Chicago and um, I got off the bus, you know, with the, the stick and the pillowcase. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, I started out as a receptionist. I just, I don't know anybody in the business. So I kind of just sent out, I, I got a Hollywood reporter in the back of it. They had like production companies and addresses and fax numbers. So I just blindly sent my resume to like everybody. And I ended up getting a job as a receptionist on the Ananda Lewis show. I don't know if you remember Ananda. My first inspiration in television was Teen Summit. Yes. Um, <laughs> watching Ananda Lewis. So for my listeners, if you don't know this, Ananda Lewis is this amazing, talented, super smart, gorgeous black woman uh-huh. who back in the in the 90s had this Saturday afternoon talk show called Teen Summit. And she had a daytime talk show for one season, but she is my inspiration. I love that. No, I was her receptionist. And... I got to know people, and one thing led to another. I ended up at VH1 and worked at Best Week Ever for years, and I learned a lot about pop culture. Well, I was always, like, a pop culture nerd, but I learned about, you know, the business there, and I used some of that pop culture knowledge to come over to The Wendy Show. How did you get to be on The Wendy Show? Like, what was that transition from being on Best Week Ever to having this opportunity to be on the Wendy Willem show? Well, at Ananda, I met a woman named Alexandra Jewett, who is, uh, she works for Dead by Mercury, one of the execs. And I saw Alexandra's name in the credits, and I was like, hey, Alexandra, any openings? And she kind of just brought me on and, like, threw me into the Hot Topics segment. And uh, next thing I know, I'm, like, laughing and joking with Wendy on the air, which was amazing. That is such an inspirational story. So... Do you remember the first time you met the legend, Wendy Williams? And what was that like? It was crazy. She was, like, getting her makeup done. And uh, she was. I wasn't allowed to see her wigless yet. You, you said yet. So you've seen Wendy Williams wigless? <laughs> That's how you know you're in, in the inner circle. That's how she, like, you know, lets you in. Like, one day I... <laughs> I had, like, some late-breaking news that I needed to share with her before 10 a.m., before we went live, and I knocked on her door, and I was just going to shout it through the door because I knew she was, like, getting dressed in wigless, and she's like, no, come in, baby. And I was like, 
Yep, I'm in. Mama, I made it! How does the hair look, Norman? Is it healthy hair? Because she always talks about it's thin. Is it healthy? It's, it's healthy. It's beautiful. I don't know why she doesn't show it off more. But, you know, she's a diva. You were in the Hot Topics meeting. This is before you got to meet her wigless. So what was that like when you first met her? So I walked in and... She, like, literally, like, laughed at me and was like, oh, my God, you're too cute to be shady. And I was like, oh, that's sweet, I think. So I, my goal was just to just make her laugh and, you know, tap in, show her that I could tap into her brand of uh, humor, which was, like, amazing. She is one of the funniest people I've ever met in my entire life. And I met some funny people. What was her title at that time you started your first day on The Wendy Wilms Show? I was a segment producer. And then I just kind of like, now I'm supervising producer. I say it with a question mark. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I'm like, Norman, it's a fact. It's okay. Own it, honey. Who made the genius decision to have you appear on camera (laughs) as sort of like her sidekick? Because if you guys are fans of late night, like... Johnny Carson had Ed McMahon. David Letterman had Paul. Like, the iconic hosts always have, like, their sidekick who they could banter with. Who made that iconic decision? Because I'm going to say this to you. I was living in New York at the time when the Wendy Williams, like, six-week sneak peek happened. Uh And as a producer, one thing people don't know, Norman, is when you're launching a show. So for me, it's reality shows. And for you, it's talk shows. When you're launching anything, the first few episodes, you're getting your groove going. Like, it's, Uh it's sort of like, what is this show? What's the format? What works? What doesn't work? And... Like you said, Wendy's a legend. She's a comedian. So I've always enjoyed just watching Wendy talk. But it changed when the first 20 to 25 minutes of the show was all about hot topics. And then it was you. So who made that smart decision to have you be her sidekick to where you two had this banter for 25 minutes on the show? That actually was all her. Like, that came from her. She just, and it organically happened. It wasn't like, well, as far as I know, there was no decision to be like, now you're going to be the co-host. It just kind of organically, slowly started to happen more and more. She, we just had such good conversations in our briefing and we kikied so well together that she just kind of started like throwing me out there more, little by little, more and more. So it's kind of just, it slowly grew. Like I would say something super shady in a briefing, not for national television, just, being funny backstage, being a little clown. And she would be on live television and she would be like, Norman said she was fat, right? And then the camera goes to me (laughs) and I'm like, uh, that was kitchen table talk, (laughs) not for television. So, but I like took her cue. You know, she threw me the ball. I grabbed it and you own it. So I'm like, yeah, she's fat. That's right. I said it. <laughs> so it just kind of like I think she appreciated that I didn't flinch and I just kind of rolled with it. So she did it more and more and more. You and Wendy's relationship reminds me so much of my relationship with Nene Leaks. Uh-huh. I, I- one hundred percent see that. And what I always tell people is this: the importance of a producer is to make sure their star is the best they can be. We're not responsible for their success by any stretch of the imagination. I would never say we're responsible for their success. That's not true. But in order for a star 
to be the best she, I'm going to say she, because to me, there's something special when it comes to the relationship between a gay black man and a black woman in the sense of when you're their producer and they have this big personality. So when you look at your decade-long career, what is your most personal favorite moment? Well, a personal triumph, and it's once again rooted in shade. We happen to be talking about future and we were talking about him having another child and we were like, so who are the women, like who are the mothers of his children? And <laughs> we just started like talking about it more and more like, no, that's not, no, it's not that lady. Who is this? And so we just decided, let's like put up a chart of like all of future's baby's mamas and baby's mama's mamas. And <laughs> it was like so much fun. You would think we were like, working for the Washington Post. Like, we were like, Woodward and Bernstein. Like, we're like, nope, nope, it's, a uh... <laughs> no, it's Hollywood, Miami. It's, nope, it's this lady. It's, okay, we know Sierra's number four, or is she number five? We don't know. And then we're, like, trying to find pictures to match these women. And then, like, explaining that to Wendy, like, she, once we had the finished product, like, it, she was like a kid on Christmas morning. Like, she was like, I can't wait to get out there. I can't wait to do this. She's like, get me a pointer. I want to have, you're going to go to school. It was like so rewarding because what you work so hard for, you bring it to her and then she gets so excited and then she just takes it to another level. So I feel like that was one of my, (laughs) one of my proudest moments. Give me my Emmy. He came up with the future baby mama chart. (laughs) Or in the words of Wendy Williams to Jocelyn, here's your flowers. Here, take them. Take (laughs) them. Oh my God, that moment. Jocelyn got us that day. Did you know she was coming in hot or did she pretend she was going to be nice? She pretended she was going to be nice and she came in hot. She got us. And it was live and we were like, what are we going to do? Like, do we pull it? And I think Wendy even herself said on air, like, can we just pull the plug? Like, how long is this going to happen? But that sucks for (laughs) Jocelyn because like we are, we're her biggest champions. Like she was like, vilified on the internet and Wendy said nothing but nice things that we were nothing but nice to her so I really don't understand why that happened and she shot herself in the foot because she was never allowed back on you know like we were her biggest champions and it's not like she's gonna be invited to be on The View or Rachel Ray like this is your only daytime talk show outlet and she like ruined the one show that would one thing I want to talk to you about is obviously the Wendy Williams show has come to an end. Uh-huh. And the one thing I always said about Wendy Williams is she invited people on her show that would not get pressed otherwise. And a lot of those people are Black people, people of color, uh-huh. reality stars, singers. Like, Wendy has given a platform to that show. I remember talking to Kenya Moore. This is, this is a couple of years ago. Uh-huh. And at one point, Wendy wasn't discussing Atlanta Housewives a lot. Like, she would have done every Monday morning. Uh There was, like, a dry spell. I remember that. The ratings were going down for Atlanta. This is years ago. And Kenya was saying to me, I think it's because Wendy is no longer talking about Atlanta Housewives, and that's hurting us. And in that moment, I realized that the power of her voice means a lot to people, and it means a lot to the culture, and it means a lot to audiences. So we don't, we're not going to have that anymore in terms of this, this legend and icon who uh-huh. truly cemented herself in pop culture, but truly Black culture. So how did you feel when you learned that the show was coming to an end, knowing that 
I feel like you and Wendy, like me and Nini, were like the closest of the close. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm still kind of in the grieving process. I luckily have like a couple months off to recharge and recenter for Sherry Shepard. But uh, yeah, it's, it's sad for the culture. It's sad for the culture. It's sad for my relationship with her. You know, like, we're good. We're good. We just kind of, we had a working relationship and like, you know, so I don't really speak to her as much. There were points when I, we talked all day, every day, you know? So, but you know, she's like, uh, she's not doing well. So we don't really speak as much. When was the last time you spoken to Wendy? Oh, it's been a while. It's been like, uh, before this season started. Honestly, like if she called me right now, we'd pick up like, nothing ever happened, you know? So I don't take it personally. Obviously, she's, you know, not in the best of health. That's just, it is what it is. So actually, that's pretty, that's like the saddest part about it, is that, you know, her health isn't, she's not in the best fighting form, you know? Because she's the GOAT. And I remember, you know, like, you can give her one name, you know, you can just say Kenya Moore, and she could talk for 20 minutes about Kenya Moore, unprompted, you know? So that's actually the really the sad part and the part I'm still kind of grieving. How do you feel when people say they hate it the way the producers and obviously your producer, they'll group you into that too. A lot of people hated the way the show ended and they felt like she did not get the tribute she deserved. Did you guys reach out to her to do a video or to do anything to sort of like honor her? Honestly, that's above me. (laughs) It's above me now. I actually don't know what the process was, or I don't know anything about it, honestly. But um, there were internal talks about, like, you know, between us, like, what are we going to do? How are we going to do it? But those are decisions that are made above us. So we really didn't know until we got, like, our marching orders. Like, okay, so we're going to do this at the end, and we're going to do this. So I wasn't really involved in those talks, so I don't really know exactly how that happened. But I felt like what we did was, from the heart and it was like good and it was you know what what we were supposed to do so i mean there was there's actually no way to end that show like there's no actual really sufficient way to encapsulate what we feel in our hearts for her anyway so i felt like it was we were good and i got the last word of the series so it was good so i feel special i feel like i was part of something great so no matter what i do for the rest of my career i know i was like part of something great for like 12 years and i got the last word on it so it was good if wendy is listening now which i think wendy does listen to reality with the king hey wendy girl but if wendy is listening now what would you like to say to her how you doing (laughs) no (laughs) so you know she knows I love her. She knows. There's not much to say. We would just I would say, did you see Real Housewives of Atlanta last week? And just pick up where we left off. I love that. I love that. Well, look, I, I will say this. So obviously, my last question about Wendy is she announced recently uh-huh. that she's coming out with a podcast. Uh-huh. So we're able to hear her voice, hopefully. How do you feel about that? And can you please be the first guest? <laughs> if that happens, oh my God, I would be so angry if I wasn't the first guest. <laughs> I'd be pissed. <laughs> Whether she invites me or not, I'm showing up to like the Sirius XM studios or wherever she is. Stay tuned for more of my conversation with Norman. We'll be right back after this quick break. This is Reality with the King, and I'm Carlos King. 
Let's get back into my conversation with Norman. You're now the supervising producer of the Uh Sherry Shepard Show, which is going to premiere September 12th Uh on all of the Fox stations Uh that had the Wendy Williams show. So what can you tell us, Norman, about this brand new talk show that you're now going to be a part of? Sherry Shepard is like Wendy Osefo. GVO, good vibes only. She's just a ray of sunshine. Like, she came in, and when Wendy couldn't do it, and she and a bunch of other people stepped up and, like, saved our jobs and saved our show for a whole year and kept us going. And Sherry was just, like, a natural fit. Like, it was just, she got our show, we got her, and we were like, let's do it. But it's going to be fun. It's going to be, like, you know, pop culture and, uh, you know, light. And Sherry is hilarious. So I think we'll just get more funny Sherry, you know? For the people out there listening, some are obviously reality fans, talk show fans, but also people in the industry. Uh So let those who aren't in the industry know, what is your role as a supervising producer when it comes to a talk show? So right now I'll be, at Wendy, I was responsible for the, you know, coming up with the whole first 20 minutes and people, I would take those pitches, people would pitch me stories and it kind of, went to me to be like, okay, we're going to do this and that and this and the order in which we do it and take that to the talent and inform them and also give them funny things to say if they haven't already thought of it themselves. But Sherry Shepard Show, it's sort of still being worked out what, what's happening. I still am going to have the same role. I'm in, in charge of the uh, act one. So I'll be in charge of the first act. Can we see you on the Sherry Shepard show? That is TBD. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm happy to have you on because you are also a huge fan of reality television. Uh Uh-huh. And I want to dedicate this portion to what's been happening on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills this season. Beverly Hills. Oh, my goodness. So good. Garcelle is running the show, right? It's the Garcelle Beauvais show, right? No. So, Norman, I tweeted because Kyle Richards is the uncredited executive producer of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, and she has been for many, many, many seasons. Uh-huh. However, .org, Garcelle Beauvais is coming for Kyle Richards' title. So, yep. I told my fans that this season I'm giving Garcelle the co-EP credit, right? Uh So Kyle is still EP. Garcelle this season is the co-EP, and I think she may get promoted to EP (laughs) next season, depending on what happens. But she is running the show. She is starting the conversations, and she's putting people on notice. So as two producers, one in reality, one in talk, you can see that too, right? Absolutely. Like... She stirs the pot in a way that's not as transparent as, like, say, a Kenya Moore would do. You know what I mean? Like, she stirs the pot and you can see it. Same with, like, Giselle Bryant. Like, I see you stirring the pot. This is the reason why you listeners who I love and thank you for subscribing, it's good to have two producers from two different genres on the show because I tell people all the time, Giselle Bryant is the uncredited uh-huh. executive producer of Potomac, and they read me for a filth like, no, she ain't. But Norman, she is. She 1,000% is. You see it. Uh, it makes the episode, like her stirring the pot. So, you know, that's I think what that's what Garcelle is doing. She's the show. No, she's fantastic. Kyle's great. Sutton. 
is Chef's Kiss. Sutton is amazing. Sutton is like crazy a little bit. She's slightly funny. She gives us fashions, backwards su- tuxedos, and. <laughs> <laughs> No, I tell people all the time, Sutton is your quintessential Southern white woman who comes from a certain class of wealth and access, and she behaves... She, she's not a Karen. So by by no stretch is she a Karen. She's not, she's not a Karen. But she holds herself in this high regard that speaks wealth and class. And when she reads you, it's sort of like how I imagine Nancy Reagan reading the girls at the White House. <laughs> right. Or, or uh-huh. Barbara Bush. Uh-huh. Do you know what I mean? It's very, no child is left behind. Right. But I'm going to read you for your yeah, academic. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? It's uh-huh. very interesting. She's a very, she's a, she's the white Phaedra. Yes. So the episode that I want to talk about is when Sutton and Diana were going at it and you have the EP Kyle step in, you have the co-EP Garcelle step in to ignite the flames. And I thought Diana was hilarious. I was like, finally, you're giving us something. Because before that, I'm like, you're boring. So it was interesting that Diana was coming for Sutton. And I personally thought Sutton held her own. She was funny. Uh She checked that ass. She was great. Diana actually didn't do herself any favors in that episode. Like, she... She didn't make any sense. Her arguments weren't coherent. Maybe that's because English isn't her first language. But, you know, she just didn't make any sense. And she also says that she doesn't know what a Black content creator is, but whatever. Like, oh, it must be tough being a Black content creator. But my thing is this. Uh-huh. Let's say for argument's sake, right? You really thought like, oh, I meant dark. Why are you equating any negativity with the word black? Yeah, exactly. Like, what is it about the word black that makes you feel like it's shade? Like, that's the part that I don't get because we ain't talking about Black Friday. We ain't talking about the (laughs) black market, which, by the way, all of those are problematic. And we need to figure out how to eradicate those problematic words. But I digress. Anywho, most recently, she did this Aaliyah four-page letter to Garcelle about what she does for Haiti and for Black charities. Sutton is not a Karen. I feel like Diana gives me Karen vibes in the sense of she's very much like, oh, I'm not racist. I Uh have Black friends. Oh, I'm not racist. I help Black charity. Sutton gave you all this energy and you had nothing for her after Uh the episode on your Bravo blog. I don't know. She just seems to be out of her depth on this show. I don't think Diana's giving us much and we didn't need Diana to begin with. We had, like, an amazing cast last season. It was just perfect. One of the all, all-time all greatest casts last season. Overall, what are you giving this season of Beverly Hills versus Atlanta? Because what I said to my Twitter fans, and on this podcast, is the Housewives of Atlanta fans are the Beehive. And the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills fans are the Navy, Brianna's Navy. And they attack each other. So... Who's having the best season so far, in your opinion? It's Beverly Hills is winning right now. However, Atlanta's close to my heart. Atlanta is the one that I love the most. Atlanta's my favorite. However, this season of Beverly Hills, they're on fire. However, I do love what we're doing over in Atlanta. And you can tell it's like a rebuilding season. You can tell that, like, we keep these ladies, you know, build some stories. And then next season, it'll be on fire. Not to say this season isn't great, but, you know, 
they uh, need to rebuild a little bit. But I do love, we, we have some good starts with Sheree coming back and Tyrone not coming back. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, She by Sheree, which <laughs> the producer and me saw that she's like, oh, I have uh, mats and I have like merch or whatever. So obviously I was like, where can I buy this? So let me go to shebysheree.com. And I did get a 404 not found, <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Sheree. But it just made me angry that she's been pushing She by Sheree for what? 30 years and you still don't have the product, especially if you put it on television. By the time it airs, you want everybody to go buy it, which people like me, I would 1000% buy a She by Sheree yoga mat. But you just think she would have the product ready by the time it aired. That's all I'm saying. Okay, so I'm going to say this. As a reality TV producer who used to work for Bravo, uh-huh. Real Housewives of Atlanta, what they don't like to do is give away what's going to happen. So, in Sheree's uh-huh. defense, I think she's not able to have it available because you want to see whether or not she was able to pull off the, okay, the, that the makes items. Sense. So I'll say this. You and I will revisit this. Okay. And after the season finale, uh-huh. when we go on SheBySheree.com, and if there is a 404 <laughs> not found, which when I say that's the shadiest shit I've ever heard in my life. So if it's still that way, then I will apologize to you. But I think that's what's going to happen. I think. Then we'll give her the benefit of that doubt. We will, sure. Oh, Norman, I cannot thank you enough for doing this. I really had so much fun with you. Uh, thank you so much for having me. This was fun. So tell all of my listeners where they can find you, follow you, and what to expect from you. You can follow me at, at Norman Baker TV on Instagram. And uh, starting September 12th, I'll be uh, working at the Sherry Shepherd Show every day. And that's what you can expect. Raindrops. I can literally talk to Norman all day long. I feel like he and I were separated at first. That's how much he and I have in common. And I hope you guys also understood the reference in terms of the producer and the diva, right? So when you think about like my career and the women I work with, and you think about Norman and Wendy's relationship, it goes to show you that a producer is so integral into the success of the show, yes, but also to the star of the show. And what Norman has brought out of Wendy as relates to the comfortability she felt sitting in that purple chair, giving all of us her thoughts and having someone like Norman to banter off of. It's just, I mean, guys, it's just genius. Not only that, as an openly gay Black man, I'm so proud of Norman. And he's so humble, he's so sweet, and I really hope Norman knows the legacy he's leaving because it is my fundamental belief that little gay Black boys are sitting at home watching Norman and aspiring to be him. And the fact that we were able to have this dialogue, I really hope that the flowers I gave him sprouts to be bigger than his imagination can handle. Thoughts? Opinions? 
reads about my conversation with Norman, email me at realitywiththeking at stitcher.com or leave me a voicemail at 310-593-8188. Thank you for listening to Reality with the King. New episodes drop every Wednesday and Friday. Share, comment, follow, and subscribe to Reality with the King wherever you get your podcast. Visit realitywiththeking.com and be sure to follow me at thecarlospink underscore on Instagram and Twitter. Reality with the King is a production of More Sauce by Stitcher. It is executive produced by me, Carlos King, and Jasmine Henley-Brown. We are also produced by Sierra Spragley-Ricks, engineering and music by Marcus Hamm. More sauce.